Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we hear stories from everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Before we begin, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do it is to pick up a copy of Sailing Into Oblivion, the book about my first voyage around the world. You can get it on Amazon, or if you like to listen to your books, you can also pick it up on Audible. I read it myself, and I hope you enjoy it. That's the best way to support things and keep me doing this podcast for free. If you want to see any of the videos or pictures, all the social media stuff is all under Sailing Into Oblivion. So just search that and you'll be able to find me. Then lastly, if you want to reach out, you can go to SailingIntoOblivion.com and you can email me directly through that website. And that gives me uh, some ideas about what you like and what you'd like to hear in the future. So thanks for listening. All right, good morning, and we are live (laughs) here on an early January 1st, 2022, right aboard Mighty Sparrow and tied to the dock here in South Carolina, and uh, second, well, first full night of actual sleep, even though... uh, bunch of people got me up to uh sort of celebrate the new year and everything but uh i i fought my my way through the grogginess um and got up just because i haven't been around people for so long i needed that uh i needed a little bit of that action so it was so nice to be surrounded by happy fun friendly people around a campfire and uh playing light up bocce ball oh man just good, good people all around, and uh, my heart swells with happiness, <laughs> not to sound too weird, but uh, it definitely does, so I I wanted to kickstart this new year and this fresh start and all that stuff, as, as corny as some of it sounds, I do think that uh, the benchmark of a brand new year is always something that uh, underlying in everybody's head they think of things they want to change and do different and start anew and and all that stuff so I'm I'm right there in that group and even though I don't have quote unquote uh you know new year's resolutions I'm definitely thinking of things that I want to change and things I want to do different uh compared to the last especially the last two years uh because they've been such a a strange um out of the ordinary time. But uh, so I, I think, you know, I was looking at the podcast and wondering, you know, when I was out at sea, I was still doing some recordings, uh, a few hours at least of, of what was going on periodically through the trip. And I'd like to, I was, I was wondering whether or not I wanted to continue doing the podcast. And, you know, in the end, I definitely figure it's, it's absolutely worth it just because I recently or, or towards the end was able to just sit down with people one-on-one and just have a great conversation and learn about the people. Uh, even, even when I did ones with my brothers or cousins, I'm still learning things that, you know, you think you know everything that's going on with your brothers and all of a sudden all this new stuff comes up and it's fantastic. So I'm I'm definitely uh, gun ho and want to keep doing the podcast, even though uh, you know it's it's one of those things. I, I have to sort of change the format. I got to get out of the patron thing. I you know I'm just going to go down to the basic um, the basic format of it, but it should still be able to be found on on all the places where you guys get your podcasts. So I'm going to try and do uh, a little bit more of a structured output of the uh, podcast now that I have maybe four or five shows that are about an hour long uh, about this most recent trip. So I'll try to put those out in, uh, I'm going to try at first to just do bi-week, or not bi-weekly, but twice weekly. So try to put one out on maybe Monday and then try and get one out on Friday. So try and do 
you know, two for the week, something like that. I haven't figured it all out, but the goal is to, to just have enough uh, sort of content because, you know, one of the things that um, I don't always realize is that there are a lot of people that, that enjoy it and uh, like hearing some of the stories from not only me, but from other people. And uh, if that's the case, then, hey, I'm, uh, I'm more than happy to provide the content. And especially when I get emails, you know, uh, people sometimes go on to the sailingintooblivion.com, the website I have for the speaking engagements and, and the public speaking stuff. And they'll track me down through there and send me <clears throat> some really great emails. And I got, I got a, a fantastic one as I was going through some of them yesterday. And it was just, you know, somebody who owned a boat who really uh, enjoys the podcast and, and sort of living through some of my adventures and all that. And was just thanking me for, for doing it. And oftentimes in my life, that's all it takes uh, for me to dive right back into something and, and really try and, and exceed and do a little bit better is, is, you know, somebody letting you know kind of randomly uh, that, hey, I uh, appreciate it. And I like, I like to do, I like what I hear and I enjoy it and I, I can't wait for the next one. And you know, as somebody who's who's just doing this podcast, sort of started it on a whim, you know, a year ago or whatever. It's it's pretty cool to to get feedback like that, and so I really appreciate it, and you know, all the love and stuff. So I'm gonna just keep on forging through. So one of the things I wanted to do uh, today with this podcast was just kind of, I don't know not wrap things up on this voyage because I still have not gotten my head. My head is still swirling. The seas were so rough uh, and so choppy for so long. I just got out of the shower and I still haven't been able to take more than a two minute shower because I feel like I'm being bounced around. Um, You know, I woke up last night to just get a little glass of water and I, because the boat was all dark, I was stumbling around and it wasn't because I I had quite a few bush lights last night. It was because I felt like the, you know, this boat had been bouncing for so long, so violently that I, my body's just completely used to it. So unless, unless I can see out the portholes and see the other masts or, uh, some I don't know. It's 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 very discombobulating, and I I know that this lasted this land sickness uh, lasted for about ten days on the first big trip. Um, the second trip it didn't last very long at all uh, because I think it was so calm while I was uh, out there. But this trip definitely is is a bit of a beast. Um, even though I had that that time on the intercoastal to sort of everything is flat, but I don't know. It's sticking with me. That, that land sickness, it's a real thing. I think I, I feel it a lot longer than I feel any sort of, uh, lack of sea legs when I get back out on the ocean. So I think that's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, but, um, yeah. So what I thought I would do today is as maybe like a teaser <laughs> or just, just as uh, something I found kind of interesting is I'd like to just talk about the final 24 hours of the voyage. And, uh, you know, obviously there's no spoilers because I made it. Um, I'm talking to you right now. So I, I don't think uh, I don't think listening to this, you'll you'll ever feel like, well, I don't want to listen to the other ones about the rest of the voyage. <laughs> I don't think it's like a, you know, a crime movie or anything like that. So. I figured it was just, it's so vivid in my mind because it was so stressful and, uh, and pretty interesting too. It was something I didn't really, I've never sort of experienced before. And so I thought I would just take, take everybody through sort of what happened the last, the final day to, to get me back in here. And, um, and then, uh, that's it. We'll, we'll wrap it up on that and, and I'll get to work on trying to put together all the, uh, the next episodes and try and track some, some people down and, and get some, get some good interviews, uh, out of some of these guys. There's, there's a few people that I have my eye on down here that, uh, I think would be really interesting, uh, especially with the line of work that they're in and, 
just from meeting them last night, uh, it was pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool people. So hopefully we'll get some great interviews in here and I do have to get the boat situated. Like right now I'm, I have to balance my time in between, uh, sort of closing out everything from this last voyage as far as all the people that donated for the MS Society, which we raised $8,015, which blows my mind. Uh, I, I can't even fathom how much money we would have raised had, had the voyage continued because right now I'd be, I'd be approaching Cape Horn, I think, uh, with another six, eight months to go. So, that would have been really, really cool, and I'm still sort of struggling with that one. But uh, I, it does; it feels it feels so impossibly good to be uh, on steady ground at this point that um, I'm not I'm not too I'm not too worried about it uh, right now. So, but I am I'm I'm sort of having to balance things between closing all that out. I want to reach out to all the people that donated. Uh, I want to make sure that uh, every all the all the followers and stuff are all updated on what's going on and everything and that that takes a little bit because they you know the the whole social media stuff um i don't i i that's one of the things i'm trying to figure out whether or not i want to engage with so much but at this point you know there's enough followers on there where i think it's only uh it's only right to to do some updates and share some of the content and uh and then see where we go from there but um you know it's trying to do that and then then it's basically fixing this boat up first of all just getting it cleaned uh <laughs> the first step was the laundry oh i had a bag of laundry that smelled so bad oh my gosh you know you think grimy clothes are grimy but boy you add a dash of salt water and some heat to that put it in a plastic bag and you are talking you're talking chemical warfare at that point. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Mm. Oh gosh, coffee with fresh water, so good. Well, we'll we'll get into that. But uh, besides that, it's uh, also just trying to uh, trying to figure out what the next step is. Um, I I've got a, an idea for the next book that I want to write, and. Um, yeah, I'm basically, I, I've got to start putting notes together and all that. And then it's it's mostly just reaching out to people, all the people that, um, you know, sort of supported the trip and, and friends and family and all that. And the numbers keep adding up on people I want to reach out to. And uh, it does, it, it takes a little bit of time, but I'll tell you, it is 100% worth it. I talked to uh, my Aunt Michelle last night, and she's she has a kindergarten class who was following the trip. And it was really amazing when I was out there because it was this huge boost of morale. Anytime I got a message from them and sent a message back, and I put them in charge of my, my candy supply and how much I could eat of the gummy bears each week and all that sort of stuff. But it was mostly, you know, the fact that she was amazed how engaged these young kids got in this adventure and how much they were learning about geography and and the oceans and all that. And it was just, it was great. I, I think I talked to her for 10, 15 minutes and it was just, it's just so fabulous to connect uh, after a long absence, um, you know. I, I I'm a firm believer that it is absolutely never too late to call up an old friend or somebody that uh, you might have drifted apart from because even if you just end up having a conversation with them, it's it's always better. I I don't think I have any experience of having somebody pick up the phone that I haven't talked to in five years and and them being like, dude, come on give me a break <laughs> and hanging up the phone. I can't even imagine that. I think that's something that only happens in movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for the final, final day, and I, I'm, I hope these numbers that I'm, I'm spitting out are sort of accurate, but I believe it was the 74th full day uh, out on the ocean. I could be wrong on that. It might've been the 73rd, but, uh, I basically woke up that morning uh, very early. It was maybe three or four in the morning because the AIS alarm had been going off. And it's very common. There's lots of ships 
out there uh, as you approach the East Coast, and more so now than I've ever seen, and and much further out. So for the for the previous few days, I kept coming across these ships that are just doing circles out there. These thousand foot container ships that are generally just you know doing nothing, waiting, I guess. And uh, whenever there's traffic around, I can't really sleep all that well until they are well gone. And I'm far past them. And, uh, you know, the AIS alarm, it would go off and then I get up. Long story short, I'm basically coming into this last day and maybe 50, 60 miles off the coast, headed pretty much directly for um, the entrance to Port Royal Sound. And looking at the numbers and all that, because I really didn't want to arrive at night uh to try and dock the boat uh after after i knew it was it's always about 20 or 25 miles of motoring up the rivers and and in the intercoastal to get up here and basically to get to where i am now there's two ways you can go up port royal excuse me port royal sound which is very wide and uh easier to navigate and then you can come up uh, St. Helen Sound, which it hooks into the intercoastal, very windy, very narrow. There's some little sections where it's it's you you've only got a, a I don't know 40 feet on a little road to get through, and it's very difficult to to navigate at night by yourself. And um, yeah, so you've got those two choices. And Port Royal Sound is a little. Uh, takes a little less time, but to get to where I am, you have to have a swing bridge open. And it only does it on a schedule, so you have to sort of work that in. And then the biggest thing for me was when I do get to the marina, I want it to be slack water. So the tide and the current isn't moving at all. Uh, Mighty Sparrow is a lot of things, but an able agile docking master she is not and uh, you always want to make sure that you have the best conditions to be able to put this boat especially in a very tight marina and uh, so those were some of my concerns and I'm trying to fight you know figure all these out and my 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 buddy Scott from from here he who's helping me with the weather always checking in big morale boost kind of guy he um he had let me know what the high tide and low tides were. So those, my, my goals were basically to try and arrive at the marina either at midnight um, or midnight on the 30, I guess it would be the 30th, um, or at just about 7 a.m. the following morning. And so the winds were nice. We were moving pretty fast. Uh, Seas were starting to ease down as we got closer to the coast. Uh, the chop sort of built up quite a bit. And I was a little bit worried uh, after going through the Gulf Stream. It was it was got un- choppy enough out there where I was kind of worried that the engine would end up, I'd go to fire it up there at the entrance to one of these channels. And it had seawater come in and and now I have to do some sort of quasi oil change because I barely have enough oil to do that and and it just it was there were a lot of sort of things <laughs> that were creeping in on me about uh what could happen and all this sort of stuff and you know I in the end once you get into these rivers and onto the intercoastal worst comes to worst you throw your anchor down and then because it's all pretty much shallow stuff and you'll be okay you will make it uh, make it through and and all that so it's not it's not an extreme like oh my gosh if something goes wrong like the boat's gonna sink now if anything the boat's gonna get stuck in the mud for a little bit and and then (laughs) then you you move out but in my twisted uh, two months at sea sort of brain, I was getting pretty hyped up about everything. And, um, you know, the, the day started out really nice. Uh, lots of ships and stuff all hanging out outside of Savannah. So I'm sort of targeting them. And I'm looking at the numbers, trying to figure out my ETA, how, how it's going to be best to get in there. And I decide that rather than arrive mid-tide, so strongest currents, uh, around like 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night, 
if I that was if I do the direct shorter route, I figured okay, well maybe I'll I'll take the really long route and go up into St. Helen Sound, which is a little more challenging, and maybe I'll just anchor up out there and wait out sort of a little bit of the night and then gun it forward and try and make the 6 a.m. on the 31st, so yesterday, make the 6 a.m. slack tide here at the marina. And so uh, cruising, cruising, and, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. You know that land's like 50 miles away, and you think, wow, we're getting really close, especially after crossing an ocean. And um, that's still 50 miles, and you're doing five and a half, six knots. That's That takes like nine hours <laughs> so you you get all excited and you sort of stand there and you're like oh wait a minute nine hours maybe i should take a nap uh <laughs> do some other stuff but uh essentially i'm i'm going in and the wind's starting to ease up and then all of a sudden this sort of fog bank rolls in and because the, the cold water current is is going towards the coast and then i start looking at the batteries and i'm like oh gosh okay don't have a lot of charge haven't run the engine in a couple of days cold water um it's going to be a bit of a hard start and so i go to fire it up just to test it the seas had calmed down a little bit i just want to make sure she was ready and um was able to get her started it wasn't the easiest start it was a little little slow the battery wore down just a little bit and then presto it it fired right up uh all the other fluids the oil everything was okay temperature was good ran it for like an hour just to get the engine warm so that by the time I got in there it'd still be warm enough where it would it would fire right up and and everything was cool so that took my um, anxiety level down quite a bit and then I proceeded basically to just head for the entrance to uh, St. Helen Sound and it's, it's pretty easy there wasn't a whole lot I had passed once I passed most of the ships waiting outside of Savannah it's pretty much clear water didn't see anything and uh, I did go past this big old horn tower I think is what it's called on the chart and it's this creepy it looks like a, a lookout tower coming straight out of the ocean maybe 50 60 80 feet tall I don't know but uh, something from the olden days I guess um really cool though i went pretty close to it and it's like a little house on it and a helicopter pad and stuff so i don't know what they do out there with those but uh anyway so yeah we're we're cruising in and it's one of those things where i knew i was like man it's gonna be kind of a long night here and even though i don't know i was just i'm very tired from the night before barely getting any sleep i the fact that i was headed in and i was getting so close to land i just could not sleep i tried but i you know if i hop in my bunk and i lay my head down close my eyes and i if if i can't fall asleep within about 10 minutes i'm just like well this is stupid might as well not just lie here and i'll get up and i was reading and played some games and stuff like that and and basically just trying to to get past it but I, most of the time all I want to do is be up on deck and just wait until I actually saw the land you know that first sighting it's always pretty uh exciting and problem is here in the low country um <laughs> you don't see the land for until you're pretty much right on top of it and uh along with the fog and stuff so we get in and finally around four o'clock ish I sight the first buoys that are going to take me through the shoals and, and into the sound proper. And I'm starting to second guess my little ETA and I'm looking at it. And as far as I can tell on the chart, it's about 25 to 30 miles, give or take. And I don't have a paper chart. I'm just, just working off of the, the iPad to go through these parts of the the river and that's a big no-no in my book uh i did write out the path onto a a piece of paper like a little drawing so that in case you lose everything you can still work your way you're not just like oh well now i can't navigate because i my technology broke down you know i got a piece of paper that tells me but it's going to be way harder to navigate with that piece of paper than than how easy they make it with the uh navionics and all that sort of stuff um so in any event <clears throat> we come in and i had seen some pretty massive q 
cumulonimbus clouds, uh, some thunderheads and stuff, but they were all seemed to be moving off to the northeast. I didn't think too much of it. I was like, oh, hey, I lucked out. Here we go. This is nice. That stuff's going away. Should be nice and calm. And that's that's one of the nice things. You get on the intercoastal and it's dead flat calm. It wasn't even windy uh, at all, but uh, sun starts to set behind some big clouds. It's it's looking a little ominous, but nothing nothing too bad. And I'm adding up these numbers and I'm looking and I'm thinking, holy cow, okay. If high tide is there, low tide's there, I could reach the slack water of low tide just about the exact same time I get to that marina. And that's doing an average of, I averaged out only four knots because I knew the current was beginning to come against me. And I'm just thinking, holy cow, if I can get in there by midnight, then I could be standing on ground, drinking a beer with some people, and then get an actual good night's sleep and wake up on the dock and be able to take a shower and do all that stuff. I mean, dream come true. Not I. It's it's so impossible to describe. As you're getting closer to land, your want, your need, your desire to actually be on that land, and so that was what was really driving me at this point. And so I'm I'm sort of busy in myself, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay, well, let me. Let me reach out to the dockmaster, let him know, because um, obviously I, I, I would appreciate a little help, but I, I, more than anything, I just wanted to let him know um, in case there were any issues or, or anything like that, because they had already reserved a slip for me. And he's like, oh, man, that's great. You need anything? I gave him a little list, uh, you know, some beers, pizza, blah, 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 that sort of stuff. Um, and guy's so awesome. This dockmaster here is like the absolute best and um hooked everything up he uh, and and his girlfriend and oh man so now now i even have that that's even more of a carrot i'm uh, <laughs> just like no matter what you're gonna get in you want to get in and i still had to prepare for the worst um and as you know the light is getting a little dimmer i get into the sound proper and i start taking the sails down and i'm doing sort of a little general cleanup, get the boat ready for full visual so I don't have anything in my way uh, except for the mainsail once I brought it down. And, and boy, it was in the way. Holy cow. But Because uh, you're just going to be motoring. And I've got my little tiller pilot, which is uh, kind of an autopilot that I can only use on this boat because it's so heavy uh, when I'm motoring. But it works pretty well. And uh, I set that up, so we're motoring, I'm on autopilot, and I'm in the wide open stretches of the sound, so a mile wide, 10 miles long sort of thing, where there's not much going on, and uh, I get the anchor out uh, from down below in the four peak, which is kind of a pain, but I, it's one of those things, if you don't have your anchor ready, and you're in the intercoastal, you're crazy, um, because anything goes wrong, you, you've got to be able to stop that boat from drifting, and, uh, so I get that all set up, everything else is in bags, um, listening to some new podcasts I'm downloading, because I have cell service, I wanted to start reaching out and calling people and stuff, but at the same time, knowing that my engine was a little <clears throat> rough, I needed to be able to hear that very well. And then also, um, I needed to just be able to pay attention because soon enough, it's going to be all blinking lights, red and greens, and and then unlit pedestals and, and buoys and probably other traffic, all these sort of things. So I'm, I'm entering what I personally think is some of the most difficult sailing uh, or, or boating conditions out there. Out on the ocean, I can, I can pretty much do whatever I want. I'm not worried about hitting anybody or anything. And once you get into land as, as a solo sailor, it's like hyper-focused time. And so I'm all set up. I've got my little iPad up there. I've got it under plastic and all this sort of stuff. And we're, we're going, going, going. And I'm feeling pretty confident. And then as it gets dark, I start to realize that there's a lot of flashing going on, a lot of lightning, way off in the distance at the start, but um, definitely there. And I think to myself, well, geez, I got internet, or I have my cell phone, and I look at the radar, and 
the first thing I see is severe thunderstorms next four hours. <laughs> I'm just like, no! Oh, are you kidding me? Mother Nature, you're going to throw this at me after all this time? Oh, man, just... To the very end, to the very end of this trip, it was going to be a battle. And uh, as I, as the night sort of came in, I think around 8 o'clock, I finally realized just how severe these thunderstorms were. I mean, we're talking bolt lightning every second uh, off, to the, off to the southeast, off to the southwest, uh, off to the northeast. And it's just like, holy cow, okay, I'm definitely going to be going through these things. But then there was just that thought of a beer and pizza and solid ground that just sort of kept me going. And that the one thing I did have, um, because I wasn't, I don't, one of the things that I, I do always sort of consider is I, I don't ever want to put anybody else at risk. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that when I used to do a lot of driving to different presentations and stuff, when the conditions got really, really bad, I mean, I'm more apt to pull over because I don't want to be a risk trying to navigate through some snowstorm and uh, accidentally plow into somebody because I know I shouldn't be out there. And uh, the one sort of thing I, I did figure is that I'm probably going to be the only idiot who's trying to navigate the intercoastal during these severe thunderstorms. And I was right. I did not see one single other boat uh, the whole time I was out there. But um, So we're motoring. Engine sounds good doing my thing, got these thunderstorms, just sort of like, oh, they're not over me yet, but they're they're definitely all over, and the radar says they're coming uh, right for us, and I just keep on plugging away, and mile after mile go, and the, the current is going out, the tide is going out, so I'm going slow, I'm only doing three and a half knots, but even then, at night, under this dark conditions, which wasn't super dark, because there's enough ambient light from the, the towns and cities around, uh, but dark enough where it feels like you're going 15 miles an hour you're just it feels like it even though you look at that screen and it's telling you you're barely moving at all uh but i get into it and it starts to rain and i get my first wave of thunderstorms and normally i get into a thunderstorm and my protocol is if there's bolts or a huge flash lightning that i know is right over me put the computers uh, put the <clears throat> sat phone, the inReach, the cell phone, put them all in the oven and then come down below and just wait it out. Obviously I didn't have that option. I did put most of the stuff in the oven, uh, but I couldn't put the iPad in there cause I was using it to navigate. And, um, I had to stay on deck. I, I hate being in that cockpit when there's lightning, especially bolt lightning hitting, hitting things. Um, none of the strikes were super close at this point, so I wasn't too worried, but uh, I knew that there were some of the big red zones coming up um, by, I think, like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. So I was just, it was like a ticking time bomb out there. Um, so I'm, and I don't really have the option of speeding up because I'm trying to get to this marina right at slack tide. And I was told that at a certain point, I was going to enter a little sort of where two rivers sort of combined and that was where the tide was going to sort of change for me where even though it was still going out I was now on the outgoing side of it and so I was sort of waiting for that we're going we didn't have too many mishaps uh, there were a couple of times where it started raining so hard I had to bring the iPad down below and so now I'm going from the cockpit down below check it out go back up look around and uh, not the best situation at all. And I started thinking, you know, maybe I, I, it is better. I just, uh, I just go ahead and anchor and, and wait this out. But again, there's that thought. <laughs> I get to land and it's only a few hours away. And as I get closer, I've, you know, it's, it's more and more of like, I can do it. I can do it. The hardest part is, is about, I don't know, an hour away where it gets really, really narrow. There's lots of houses and docks and all this sort of stuff and not a lot of wiggle room at all. And again, the tide's going out, so the, the water's getting lower and lower and lower so that my my little wiggle room is shrinking and shrinking. And, and finally, um, we get to that second wave of thunderstorms that come in. And I don't know how. I was just so lucky, I guess. But 
the bolt lightning ceased. It was all just big flash lightning illuminating the clouds. It was still scary, um, still super bright and uh, and all that, but it was it it wasn't bolt lightning. Bolt lightning just scares me to death because that's the stuff where I'm I'm figuring it's just looking for anything tall that it can latch onto and hey look at this oh nice 50 foot mast oh it's made out of metal hey let's hit that oh it's got a spider web of metal wires coming off of it i mean what what's more perfect than that but um so luckily you know this one and it, it's it's basically raining i'm wearing my glasses because i need that perfect vision can't have the contacts you know screwing up or anything so i'm sitting up there with a paper towel in my hand and i'm like wiping my glasses because this rain and I'm trying to see and then I'm poking my head down looking at the iPad where am I where am I what's next what's next up on deck looking really stressful and this is going on uh I enter the sound around five sunsets shortly thereafter now it's almost 10 uh 10 30 at night so it's just going on for like five hours of super hyper focus I'm only on like two hours sleep from the night before and then maybe two hours of sleep from the night before that. Uh, I'm pretty much just a wreck, but I am so determined. And uh, luckily, I'd been out at sea for so long, I was pretty used to those conditions and used to that that mindset and that feeling and that exhaustion that um, it was manageable. I'm not going to lie. It was just, it was sort of, I've been just living that life for so long, I, I, was, I was okay with it. Um, I think it's sort of like a... Um, you know, functioning alcoholic where, you know, you wake up, you're really, really rough still, but you just get through it. You get on through the day, you uh, get back uh, from work and then you dive right back in. And and that's sort of how I felt. I was like, I can do this. Like, I'm, I'm not going to collapse here from exhaustion. I'm, this is just how I live these days, <laughs> or at least for the last two months. But so we get through, and finally I get through the tiniest little narrow area. The lightning is past. The rain is is finally letting up. Get through this super tight area. Thought for sure I was going to run aground. Um, I had to actually hand steer because the little tiller pilot was was unable to correct fast enough with the currents. You know, the current will throw it off a little bit, and then it slowly tries to correct, but it's not really doing a great job because it's you know it's just a little tiny little thing connected to the tiller, but. We get through and and then the the river opens up and I'm sort of like oh, okay cool and it's it's about um, you know eleven o'clock so I still have an hour and I I had looked at the whole thing a whole bunch during the day while I was sailing in because I wanted to make sure I was as familiar as possible with the route and um, I don't know through all through all the focus and everything I I didn't realize that once you made it to where the river widens out again, uh, where I was at that point, it was only about four miles to get to the marina. So I was going to end up being way early. And uh, one of the things that happened was once I did make that turn, I went from doing three knots to doing eight knots. And I'm thinking to myself, holy cow, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so I slowed back way, way down. Um, and I, I text the dock master and he's like, oh, yeah, no worries. Just uh, there's a, a whole bunch of crab pots um, in the little thoroughfare as you, you go past the bridge and enter in. And, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, OK, great. Another another little obstacle. Toss it on. OK, we can we can do this. Um, and no, actually, I was more like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Seriously. Now we got pots. <laughs> is, is this ever going to end? <laughs> but uh i i said you know i i my text was hey uh, i'll i'll just text you when i see the bridge and then i sort of scroll forward and i see that i am really close and about two seconds later i turn the corner and i see the bridge so i'm right there and i'm an hour early so the current is still going to be ripping through the marina and uh, <laughs> i'm just like like i and I, I knew i had the option of uh, okay, be patient, do the smart thing, anchor. But now I've got all these people in there waiting, and they're sort of like, oh, yeah, come on in, we'll get you in. I was like, well, how, how's the current? Is it still ripping? And they're all like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, and I'm hearing all this through the cell phone. Oh, man. 
But they come out, they, they say, all right, well, well, we'll meet you out there. We'll guide you through the crab pots. Um, and I wasn't really worried about the crab pots too much. Um, you know, you have to run in Sparrow. You have to run that sucker over, like, completely immediately, but, like, perfectly to tangle it up. But, you know, at the same time, low low water, no wiggle room. Uh, if the engine quits, you, you have mere seconds before you're in the mud. But luckily, at low tide, you know you will come. You'll be able to get out because the tide's going to come back up. Either way, I decide not to anchor out and wait for an hour, and I work my way in. The guys come out in the boat, and um, they're they're in a great great mood. Everybody's super psyched, you know. Um, these are all people that I've known for a couple of years now, and uh, slowly I'm I'm just sandbagging it, or not sandbagging, but I'm milking it that last little half mile to get up to the marina. I'm going as dead slow as I can just to eat away a few more minutes to, to, cause every minute that went by the current was slowing down just a bit more. And, uh, <laughs> I get up there and I'm, I see all these people and they're like clapping and all of a sudden it was so nice. And I'm just so excited. I know that once I get tied up, all the relief in the world is going to flood over me enough to make me faint almost. It's just incredible. And uh, I get in there and I do my first attempt and I, I pull out so fast. I'm like, whoa, whoa, no way. There's no way I'm making that turn. This is that's uh, and I, I shout in there and I'm like, hey, you know, guys, I I don't think I can make that turn. Um, I think I'm just going to anchor out or I'll, I'll just hang loose for, for, you know, like uh, 45 minutes and, and then we'll come in and be a lot easier. And all I hear is, Hey, come on, whatever. It's a boat. You can do it. And all this heckling. And normally that would not affect me. Uh, I have always been one of the, the people, one of the boaters that I, I, my ego is, is, I throw that directly off of the boat when it comes to docking. The number one goal in docking is do not hit anything. Do not hit anybody else's boat, number one. Try not to damage your own boat, number two, or the dock. Um, those are the top priorities. I don't care if I have to have 100 people out there uh, helping me in. I just don't want to have to call an insurance company. Um, that's, that's my biggest fear. And, you know, I don't want to look like any, I don't want to damage anything. Um, so it's dark. I'm tired. Thunderstorms are all, luckily that's all over. There's no wind. So I got that on my side. Current is, is definitely moving pretty fast. And the trouble is I got to get down this little, little, uh, in between these two piers with all these fingers that are pointed at each other. I got to get down there and then I actually have to turn with the current, um, which basically what that means as i as soon as i'm inside of this corridor i'm already moving towards the slip so i'm losing the amount of turning that i can do and with sparrow's bowsprit and how long the keel is and slow she turns basically i knew if i'm going to be able to do this without smashing into this other boat uh i'm going to i'm going to have to come in pretty fast because it's hard to describe but i it wasn't like I was going in and then going to end up sort of turning into the dock. I had to turn around and get onto this finger. So I needed to be able to make this complete 90 degree turn and then slow the boat down. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I gunned her in, in there. <laughs> there were a lot of people and I shouted, I was like, you know, I, you guys better fend me off and uh, all this stuff. I mean, there, it was so loud. We woke up a lot of people at the Marina and, uh, I think a lot of people the next day came up <laughs> they were talking to me. They were like, boy, you know, we could hear you shouting and, uh, saying stuff like, you don't think you can do it. <laughs> and we came up, we were worried, but, um, so I gunned in there. And then gun it into reverse, make that turn, and uh, they all fended me off, and we tied up, and I didn't hit a single thing. And it actually looked like I knew what I was doing. And normally I do. Um, you know, I've, I've done enough boat moving and shifting and docking that uh, I'm pretty okay with it, but um, it's still, after being at sea for that long, it's very hard to... <laughs> It's very hard to then all of a sudden be in close quarters maneuvering when you've been in the exact opposite for so long. So 
uh, get tied off. And then it's just, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, all these people come down below, turn the engine off, uh, hop onto the dock, and my legs pretty much almost buckle. And even though it's a floating dock, it still just felt so weird. And I, all I wanted was water. I just was like, give, give me some water. And uh, I ended up actually just taking my little Brita filter, little pitcher out and filling it up uh, out of one of the hoses uh, just to drink that. Because I, I had run completely out of water on the boat and ha- I was I was pumping it out of the little desal pump which does not taste good at all. And uh, so I get there, and then all of a sudden, I, like, there's just hugs and all this stuff. And I had, I, I was, I, I preempted because I knew, you know, I'm coming from this sterile world, no germs, no colds, none of that stuff. Um, and I wanted to make sure I'd be okay and, and took one of those vitamin C emergency uh, powder things. And, and so I'm like, yeah, give me a hug. It's all good. And I knew I'm not going to, because I've, I've, I've done that plenty of times where uh, I've been out at sea and then you come in and the first person who's got a cold, all of a sudden you've got it. And it's like, oh no. But in any event, yeah, all these just hugs and beers being thrust in my way and then all of a sudden, a plate with some pizza on it, and and chips, and oh, all these these things that I've been dreaming about for so long, and just most of all, just people, and talking to them, and and just so happy to to listen, and and oh, it's it's impossible to describe how how discombobulated you feel, because at that point, I mean, one, I'm dizzy from not moving anymore. Two, I'm completely exhausted. Three, I'm frazzled from the storm, uh, the lightning, all that sort of stuff, and the docking. And then I'm just overwhelmed with joy because I'm seeing people and all of a sudden I, I, I have food and, and beer and all this. I, it's just you mix all that together and I felt like my head was going to explode. My smile hurt so much. It was ear to ear wouldn't stop for a million dollars like I just it was incredible and it felt so good and we all hung out it was late at night all these guys stayed up for me we all hung out for like an hour and then I went off uh to go and take a shower and then collapse in my bunk and I get up there and first I went and just did a quick walk on the grass just to feel it and boy, I was definitely land sick for sure, wobbling around. And um, I get into I get into the shower, and this is a room that doesn't have a window, so it already feels really weird when I get in there. But then I hop in that shower, and I'm literally bouncing off of the walls in there. I can't. I I've lost complete equilibrium. My balance is off. I took about a minute and a half shower and got the heck out of there. I pretty much just wetted myself down, threw some shampoo in my beard and just peaced out and came right back out and everybody's still there and they're like, "What the hell was that?" And I'm just thinking I'm like, "Dude, I can't do it. I it's going to take me a while before I can actually take like a 10-minute shower." Um so uh, after that, I, I hop on board and, you know, still everything's gross and salty and smells terrible. And finally, I'm, I'm now realizing how terrible it smells down below because I'd just been in a fragrant shower smelling of soap and shampoo. And then to come back on the boat, I was like, oh, geez. So I open up some portholes and just collapse in the salty bunk and, uh, giggle giggle myself to sleep um i just i was so comfortable for the first time in a long time that uh i was just laughing and the boat had a pretty extreme list uh that i hadn't noticed out at sea obviously but uh so it kind of looked like the the boat and captain ron when they first come up to it it's just sort of like oh man that's looking a bit rough for wear (laughs) but uh Within minutes, I was dead asleep and uh, slept like the dead for at least four hours. I think I was up pretty early uh, yesterday, but um, that concludes the last 24 hours of this voyage. And I'm still 
trying to wrap my head around everything at this point. And I'm sure by the end of uh, the next few episodes about this trip, um, I will have a, hopefully a thoughtful uh, rethinking and uh, of of what happened and and everything and and the adventure as a whole. But uh, I just wanted to share that 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 twenty four hours. It was something else. It was probably one I won't forget for a long time. Um, you know, it seems like I've always had the sort of luck where uh, when I have my landfall days, they're always a bit of a challenge and. That one was one of the most challenging, scariest, uh, most thrilling uh, landfalls I've ever made. But it was also probably the one I was most thankful for. Um, I I would definitely say it's it's in the top three, <laughs> and I guess that's that's kind of uh, a no brainer there because it's this is my third really extended voyage, but. Uh, Oh, it felt good and it feels good now. Uh, I'm looking at a mountain of work to do to try and get everything sorted out. And I'm going to start that pretty much right after I go get some breakfast. But uh, yeah, uh, it definitely just, it feels so, so good. And I think one of my first steps here uh, going into this new year is to sit down uh, with a pen and a notebook, and start making some lists. Um, everything from people I want to get in touch with to projects I want to do to um, future endeavors to where I want to see myself in five years. I think it's uh, the perfect morning to start out with that and then dive into some boat work and uh, and all that. But first, I'm going to try and publish this sucker and uh, get it out there. Um, so you'll probably be listening to this on January 2nd or thereafter. But um, uh, again, I want to thank everybody for all the support and especially the the people that that joined the fight on the MS Society. I don't know if that's going to continue on throughout this year. Um, I'm hoping it will, but uh, they may close it out uh, as I finish the trip. So um, we'll sort of see. I guess I'll update people on that because uh, if we can still continue to raise money, that would be fantastic. Uh, But if if 8000 is what we made, hey, that's that's pretty darn good, and uh, I'm pretty happy about that. So other than that, I, I hope everybody uh, enters into this year with as much uh, um, hope and, and seeing the possibilities that are out there as I am, as, as I'm feeling right now, because uh, it definitely feels good. You know, we, we only have so much time to, to be able to <sighs> do the stuff we need to do. and do the stuff that we want to do. Boy, I'm getting a little choked up there. Still on that emotional roller coaster, I guess. But uh, I just wish everybody well, and uh, let's try and... Let's try and make this uh, this new year coming in one of the best we've ever had. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>